The vision received was that of blood cells traveling throughout the body, supplying the much-needed oxygen and other nutrients to the differing members of the body to fulfill their purpose. Once the blood cells are spent, they must return back to the heart to be refilled before being sent out again and fulfill their purpose. Good morning, beloved saints of the Most High God. It's good to be in your presence again, especially in this atmosphere. I know I've missed uh, coming and fellowshipping with all of you and uh, sharing what the Lord has put on my heart and you guys sharing what uh, he's doing in your lives. Um, so we are here again and we're going to start all the way in the book of Genesis, all the way back in the book of Genesis. And we're going to springboard off of a, probably a very familiar scripture to all of us in Genesis chapter one, verse 26 and 27. says uh, very simply, then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air and over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. So we look over that and we realize, okay, man who was, what was named Adam, uh, was made male and female. And Adam, who was made male and female, was all created in God's image. It's just not the male that was created in God's image. Man, both male and female, was created in God's image. And we know what happened in the next very chapter, do we not? They fell. And before they fell, they were walking with God. Uh, Adam was given purpose. They were given purpose. They were given purpose to, to have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over the cattle and over the, all the earth and all the creeping things in the earth. And then they fell. And something happened when they fell. Something changed when they fell. When they sinned, they were no longer able to walk with him anymore. We know that they were excommunicated from the Garden of Eden, if you will. They were they were shut out. They weren't allowed to even come back in. And so there was a separation uh, between God and between man because man fell. Man was disobedient to God's word. And it wasn't just man meaning male, but man meaning male and female. They both fell uh, from the grace of God. And they used to walk in the light and the glory of God before they fell. And we go all the way back to, or all the way forward to Romans chapter 5. And it says in Romans chapter 5 verse 12 that through one man, that man beating Adam, being both male and female, sin entered into the world. And death also through the sin. And thus death spread to all men. Because all sin. So Adam, being both male and female, fell from the glory of God, and Adam began to do something it was never intended to do, began to die. And everyone who was a, a, a descendant of Adam, they also died. Why did they die? Because they also sinned. 
And so thus all mankind, both male and female, are what I call now marred. Remember, what, my, what was my first initial point? Adam, both male and female, was made in the image of God. But when he sinned, when she sinned, when they sinned, their, the image of God was marred. Disfigured. Flawed. It was now flawed. It was now blemished. It was now scarred. There was now some sort of mutilation. There was some sort of defacing. It was some, some deformity, a damage that wasn't there before. They were wrecked. They were now tainted where there was no taint before. They're now sullied and stained and polluted where none of that was there before because when God created everything, everything was what? Good. And the light that we once walked in is now gone from us. And without him who is light, remember he is light, without him, if there is no light, where are we then? We're in darkness. And so we walked in darkness. And then we look at John chapter 1 that says of Jesus... You know, John chapter one, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the same was in the beginning with God. It says also in verse five that this word that became flesh in verse 14, it says in verse five, and the light shines where? In the darkness. We were created in the image of God. We got to walk in his light as he is in the light and we had fellowship with one another. But when we sinned, we fell. We were marred, we were sullied, we were tainted, and so we were in darkness because the light had gone from us, or we were cast away from the light, and so there's, when there's no light, there has to be darkness. And so when Jesus came, being the Word, made flesh, he came as the light shining in the darkness. And what happened? The darkness didn't understand it. Who's the darkness? We, without God, are the darkness or are in darkness. And it says also in John chapter 3 regarding this light, this is what condemns us. The light came into the world and what? Men loved what? The darkness that they're in. They love darkness rather than light because they're what? Deeds were evil. So the darkness is not only us without God, the darkness is now tied to deeds being evil. Let's go more into the light. In John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. In case you missed it in John chapter 1, verse 5, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not what? Doesn't that make sense? If you have a flashlight in front of you or you have a candle in front of you and it's not lit, you're in what? You're in darkness. But as soon as you light it up, you're not in darkness anymore. There may be darkness around you, but if you have the light, you're not in darkness anymore. So they who follow him shall not walk in darkness, which we just said was tied to deeds works that are evil. They won't walk in darkness because they're following me and they have what? 
the light. They have the candle. It's lighting the way before them. John chapter 12, Jesus continues with the light and he says to them, a little while longer, the light is with you. So who's he referring to? Himself. He is the light. I am the light of the world. I am the light that shines in the darkness. And when I came and shined the light, the darkness did not comprehend it. So a little while longer, he's saying, disciples, I'm going to be with you. Walk while you have the light. Now, even though that applied immediately, directly to the disciples in that day, that could easily be applied to his people now. While the light is there, while you recognize him, while you acknowledge him, walk in the light. Lest what? Because if you don't walk in the light, what's the result of not walking in the light, in his truth? You're going to end up walking in darkness. You're going to end up getting off course. And he who walks in darkness, what? He doesn't know where he's going. What do we call a person who doesn't know where he's going and he's in darkness? He's blind. We could say blind. That's a good one. That's not what I was thinking, but that's a good one. I would say he's lost. You're just lost. You ever been in a, in a, in a, in a really thick forest without the moon shining and you had no light? You are lost. You have nowhere to go. There may not be the there may not be the, the, the stars shining bright enough for you to see a hundred yards ahead of you. Because the moon is really what gives you at least some kind of light in the darkness. But that's what it is when we don't follow after him who is the light, we walk in darkness and we don't know where we're going. So now I bring up what Paul said. Paul said this about Jesus. There's two, there's two, I see two kind of uh, uh, interpretations, if you will, of this light. The light absolutely, unequivocally, definitely is Jesus. Definitely. I'm not saying that, but I think there's another aspect that we can also look into. And I think Paul bears this out because he says, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3, he says, even if our gospel is hid or veiled, it is veiled to those that are perishing. Whose minds the God of this age has blinded, it moved, who do not, what? Believe, lest the light of the what? The gospel. So there's my second thing that we could look into. Yes, Jesus is the light, but when we speak of the gospel, who are we talking about? We're talking about Jesus. So the gospel that's referring to Jesus is also a light because it's giving the glory of Christ, who what? Back to the, back to the beginning, who is the image of God. Should shine on them. And in this particular uh Passage, Paul is speaking to the Corinthians, talking about the power of the gospel. What happened when Paul saw the light? He was changed. He was transformed. Paul, who was the persecutor, darkness, 
became Paul the liberator. Now he's walking in the light. Now he's bringing about deliverance. Now he's bringing about liberation. When you come into the light and you begin to walk in the light as he is the light, you are changed. You are transformed. You were walking in darkness, which we said was tied to deeds being evil. But now that you come to the light and you begin to follow the light, you're no longer walking in darkness. You no longer are lost. But what would be the opposite? If darkness is the deeds being evil, what would it be to walk in the light? What would your deeds be? Righteous. You become changed. You are transformed. So Acts 26, when Paul is talking about his conversion experience, he said to the Lord, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, who you are persecuting. Rise, stand to your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and of the things which will yet be revealed to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send to you so that you, you were a persecutor of me. You did hit me and you did beat me through the, through my people, but I'm going to call you and open your eyes so that you can open their eyes so that you can what? Turn them from darkness to light. From the power of Satan. So now darkness has another connotation. It's not only the deeds being evil, but darkness is now contrasted with the power of Satan. I'm gonna, you're gonna rescue them from that they may receive what? The forgiveness of sins. So in order for you to come into the light, you've got to receive the forgiveness of sins. And an inheritance among those. You will have a shared inheritance among those that are sanctified by faith. In me. So Paul was changed. Paul fell. His image of God was marred. And now it's being restored. Now it's being reconciled. It's called a glimpse of the restitution of all things. Because that's what God is going to do. With all of us. With all of creation that we see down here. Because this, this is not like what he originally created it with. You look out there, I look out in my backyard, I bought a, a, a house in 2006, and I had these beautiful evergreen trees right along my gate. You couldn't see into my neighbors, my neighbors couldn't see into me. And right now, they're getting brown. They're like getting brown, they're, they're, they're dying. I'm telling you, when God created all of this, there was no death. There was no corruption, there was no decay. Sin affected and infected everything, including us, including all of his creation, which is why it says in other scriptures that all creation is groaning. All of creation can't wait for the manifestation of who? The sons of God. It's all having to do with us. When creation gets its restitution, it's because the sons of God are going to be manifested. It says in Ephesians, Paul, here it is again, Ephesians, Paul is talking about the darkness and the light. He says to the Ephesians, you were once in darkness. You were once walking in deeds that were evil. You were once under the power of Satan, which is all akin to darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. You've been changed. You've been transformed by the power of God. Walk 
as children of light. You now got a different calling. Your father may have been Satan at one time, but he has, when you become born again by the spirit of adoption, which we cry, Abba, Father, we now have a new father. We now have a new destiny. We now have a new purpose. We now have a new calling to fulfill. It says, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. So darkness is deeds being evil. Darkness is being under the power of Satan. But when you walk in the light, you bear forth the fruit of the Spirit. So there's the contrast. It's not about the works of the flesh that's in the darkness. It's about the fruit of the Spirit. Which is all goodness, righteousness, truth. Those things that are acceptable of the Lord is when we walk in the light. We don't have fellowship with what? The unfruitful works of darkness. But rather, what do we do? If it says you are light in the Lord and you no, no longer walk in the unfruitful works of darkness, then what do you do when you enter into a place? And darkness is all around you. What does it say? You expose them. If you are the light, let me not say if, the scripture says you are the light in the Lord. Walk in the light. That's what you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be exposing the works of darkness. That's just inherent. It's not like something you have to go out and do. It's not like something where you have to go grab a Bible and beat. Those sinners put to a bloody pulp. Not the bishop is. Okay? But you don't want to beat them all to a bloody pulp. You don't have to do that. You walk with a candle in the midst of the darkness. The only thing you need to do is shine that light. And what happens? The darkness just... It goes... It just starts spreading out. It starts widening out. And you are the light in the center and all you are is just being what? Light. You can't help but expose what's around. You can't help but show, oh, there's chairs in here. Oh, there's books in here. Oh, there's pen or pencils there. Oh, there's stuff in here. You're not going out of your way to beat anybody to a bloody pulp for their darkness. You're just being who God called you to be. You are the light in the Lord. Walk in the light. It is shameful to even speak of the things that are done in secret, but all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. If you, not if, you are the light, you are an agent that is exposing the darkness all around us. He says to the Thessalonians, in case you were wondering, did he say it anywhere else? Yeah, he said it to the Thessalonians. He said in 1 Thessalonians 5, 5, you are all sons of light. You are all sons of the day. We are not. We are not of the night. We are not of the darkness. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, to the Corinthians, Paul says, do not be unequally yoked together with Unbelievers. Unbelievers represent those that are walking where? In darkness. Don't be unequally yoked with them. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? 
Got that? Righteous is contrasting righteousness and lawlessness. And then he says in the next rhetorical question, and what communion has light with darkness? So the light is attached to righteousness and the lawlessness is attached to darkness in 2 Corinthians 6.14. But it doesn't end there. The Apostle John says in his letter, 1 John 5, 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, he says, this is the message we have heard from him and declared to you that God is light. And in him there is what? There is no darkness. There is no evil. There is no power of Satan. There is no selfishness. There is no pride. There is no wickedness that you can name of any kind whatsoever, big or small. In him, he is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. Not a grain. Not, 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 a, not a speck of dust. Not the size of an atom. Not the size of a molecule. Not the size of a proton. Not the size of a neutron. Not the size of the things that make up protons and neutrons. There is not any darkness in him at all. So if, since you are light in the Lord, walk in the light, he says, should you have any darkness? No. So John says, if we say that we have fellowship with our Father and we walk in darkness, we're liars. More than just hypocrites. We're liars. We don't practice the truth. He says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. The light that is in you, because you are the light of the Lord, the light is in me. We just make this brighter and brighter, and it's more brighter. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sins. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He says in chapter 2, same apostle, John. He says, he who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. We cannot be in the light, have fellowship with him, and hate the brother or the sister that's right next to us. We're liars. We're deceiving ourselves. And we're in darkness. He who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness, walks in darkness and does not look at that, does not know where he's going. Paul and Peter with the very same words, because that's the spirit of God right there. Paul says when they don't have the light, they walk in darkness. They don't know where they're going. And Peter says the same thing. They don't know where they're going because the darkness has blinded their eyes. So 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says again, For God commanded the light to shine out of the darkness. If 
since you are the light, then he has, he has called you. He has commanded you, the light, to shine out of the darkness. 2 Corinthians 4, 6. Who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. God has commanded you to be light. Walk in the light. Shine out of the darkness. Just as my light that was in the face of Jesus Christ has shined in you. It says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13 and 15, For it is God who works in you both to will. That means to want. That means to desire. Because without God, we don't desire to do good, guys. You need to be honest with yourself. We desire to do that which is evil. We desire to do that which is selfish. We desire to do that which is going to make us happy. But God... When we're born again by the Spirit of God and He begins to reside in us and dwell in us and we allow Him to work in us, He works in you these desires that you didn't have before. Maybe you were a vulgar person and you cursed up the wazoo and you didn't care during your adolescence. I don't know if it was that bad. But I, yeah, I did curse. And I didn't have a desire to stop cursing. But when God got a hold of me, all of a sudden a desire appeared and, and began to form and began to, to come into me. And, and over a period of time, I could remember that I didn't curse. It, it, I stopped. It wasn't like a, a one-time thing. You know, I may have had my slips up along the way, but at some point I looked back and said, wow, I, I don't do that anymore. Because God worked in me to not want to. And then, what does it say? Not only to want, to desire, but to do. Anybody ever read Ezekiel chapter 36? You know what? I want to turn there. Everybody turn to Ezekiel chapter 36, because this is a prophetic fulfillment. When Paul said, "We work, God works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure, it is a prophetic fulfillment of what he said in Ezekiel chapter 36, one of my favorite scriptures. That'd be Ezekiel chapter 36. Yeah, here it is. 26 and 27. This is a prophetic fulfillment of what he spoke through Ezekiel. He said, a new heart also will I give you. A new spirit will I put within you. I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh. I will give you a heart of flesh. But it doesn't stop there. He says, and I will put my spirit. God says, I'm going to put my spirit within you. And cause you to walk in my statue. See, without him in us, did any of the Old Testament saints fulfill the law? Not one. Not even close. Not even the most prestigious that you can name to me. David <laughs> sinned like, you know, you already know how we feel about David when he messed up. Noah, he messed up. All have sinned and what? Fallen short of the glory of God. There's no Old Testament saint that kept the law. But 
God said that I am going to put my spirit with you. I'm going to cause you. That's this word to do his good pleasure. I'm going to cause you to walk in my statute, to keep my judgments and do them. You will now have power by my spirit working in you to do that which you could not do without me. That's awesome, brothers and sisters. Because without the Spirit of God, we would still be in our sin. It says that we, in, in scriptures, and I know Bishop knows it better than I do, but we are sanctified by the Spirit of God and the belief of the truth. It's the Lord God at work in us by His Spirit that is sanctifying us. And according to these scriptures, he is causing us to not only desire to do his will, but gives us the power to actually carry it out and do it. So he says, furthermore, in Philippians, do all things without complaining, without disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as what? Lights in the world. So hopefully by now, I have made the argument that hopefully you are now fully persuaded in your own mind that if you are born again and you are a child of God, you are light in this world. And you are commanded to walk in the light. And who is light? He is light. You're commanded to walk in him. Because it says in another scriptures in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that when you're born again, it says anyone who is in Christ, when you're born again, you come into Christ, you are baptized into his body by the very same spirit we've all been talking about just now. You are a new what? Creation, a creature. And the old things, what are the old things? The darkness we've been talking about, the deeds that were evil. When you walked under the power of Satan and did whatever he said you, you should do, those things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. According to Romans chapter 8, we have a new walk in the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Chapter, uh, chapter 8, verse 1 through 4. Now, I want, I want, I want us to now consider something. Consider those scriptures, those prophetic scriptures that I just mentioned. Jesus, you, you, you know, the man that walked in the flesh from A.D. something and then died around A.D. something. Don't know the exact numbers, maybe zero to thirty one or thirty three. It's all. The point is that man, according to First Timothy three sixteen, was God manifested in the flesh. It says in John chapter 3 that this man had the spirit without measure, without limitation, without restriction. He had full access and capacity as a man to the spirit of God that was in him. So if we're going to be walking in darkness, can we have a reputation like like like, like the, the Jews had in, in, in their days when we read in the Gospels uh, of a heathen and a tax collector? 
Did they think highly of them? Did they look unto them highly? No, they were like, rrr, rrr. who wants to, you know, there's a bad guys. We can't have that if we are the children of light. If we are the children of God, we can't have that kind of reputation where people are looking at us because we're doing evil things because the heathens and the tax collectors, they stole from the people. They were working for the government or the local government and they were taking more from the people so they can give to their boss and then they took some and they knew they were doing that. We, we can't have that kind of reputation. It says in 1 Corinthians 5, 9 through 11, Remember he said, uh, light cannot fellowship with darkness? Remember that? We, we just read that a couple of verses back. He clarifies it in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. He says, I wrote to you in an epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people. Yet I certainly did not mean with sexually immoral people of the world. I didn't say... I didn't mean for you to think that I don't want you to hang around with the sinners of the world. And he says, why? Or with the covetous or the extortioners or the idolaters. Since then, you would need to go out of the world. The whole world is full of them. You would need to leave the world if you could not, you know, be around them or then be around you. That's not what I was saying. He says, now I have written you not to keep company with anyone named a brother there's the qualification if you have a brother or sister that is walking in this manner who is immoral, sexually immoral covetous, an idolater a reviler, a drunkard an extortioner not even to eat with such a person you see God is light and in him there is what? no darkness at all. And if, not if, since we are light, we need to walk in the light, there can be no darkness with us either. Oh my gosh. How many ways have I identified darkness today? What was the first way? Deeds. Deeds being what? Evil. That was the first one. Deeds being evil. The second way uh, that, that they described darkness was being under the power of Satan. What are some of the acts? Any sin you can name. Any sin at all that you can name. So I said some selfishness, pride, lying, uh, covetous, where you're desiring of, th of things of other people and you're willing to go out and try to take it from them, or you're a drunkard, you're all up in the flesh, you're getting high on some drugs, or you're getting, you know, uh, drunk on alcohol or something like that. These are things that, that even the world would look at that as a, not good, not good. But it says we have to put off the old man and his deeds, the things that we did before we knew Christ. Because if God, see, if God is going to be the one to both work in us the will and to do his good pleasure, then we have to yield and do and walk as he says. It's what Jesus did in the days of his flesh. What, how did he describe himself? He said, um, he said, 
I can of my own self do nothing. But as I see the Father do, that which I do. As I hear the Father say, that which I say. He was, and this is where we're kind of getting at, he was the express manifestation of God in the flesh. He was the representation of God on earth. He was the light that came into the world and the world didn't know him, didn't understand him. He was a representation of God on the earth. What do you think your calling is? If you have are called to be a light in the world and to walk in the light, what are you to represent? Your heavenly father on earth. That's your calling. That's why you can't have darkness in you, because then you will not be reflecting your father who is light. And in him, there is no darkness. He says, don't lie to one another in Colossians 3, 9 and 10. Put off the old man. Put off his deeds. Put on what? The new man. That's that new creature, that new creation that he's talking about, who is renewed in knowledge according to the image, there we go back again to the beginning, image of him that created him. You are being restored into the original intention of your creation to be in the image of God. Now trust me, when I look at all of you in the flesh, I'm, let me tell you, it does not yet appear what shall be. Because when I look at the mirror, I know that my Jesus does not look like me. I, I just, I, I, I'm not there. I know I'm not there. Even though my name is Jesus. I'm not there. I know that. And I see all of you. And, and I know that too, because I'm looking carnally. But if I look beyond the flesh and what the Spirit is doing in my life and in your life, I'm assured through the scriptures that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. So when we all get to meet him up in the air in the clouds and we get to see him face to face just as he is, it's going to be a reflection because he will bring me to completion. And the only completion, the only measuring stick of completion is him. So there's two images. There's the image of God, and we've talked about that a lot, and I haven't talked about the next one, but there's the, there's the antithesis, the image of the beast. The image of the beast. You read that in Revelations. The image of God is obviously the likeness of God is being represented, is being portrayed. It's a representative figure of, of who, who God looks like. But if you have the image of the beast, then you're going to represent the likeness of the beast. The beast is devouring. It's prowling about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he, can, he may devour. The thief doesn't come but to what? Steal and kill and de destroy. All that is the image of the beast. The works of the flesh. Anybody remember the works of the flesh? Can anybody list them off? Right now, what are the works of the flesh? Idolatry. Idolatry. Adultery. Adultery. Fornication. Fornication. Uncleanness. Uncleanness. Lasciviousness. Lasciviousness. Witchcraft. Witchcraft. Hatred. Hatred. Emulations. Hatred. Emulations. You, 
He was asking me, what, what kind of sins are we talking about? All those. The works of the flesh. They portray the image of the beast. And what's in contrast? We said this earlier. The fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, meekness, temperance, self-control, all the nine. That's what we need to bear fruit of. Not the works of the flesh, but the fruit of the Spirit. The works of the flesh are found in Galatians 5, 19 through 21. And you compare those with the fruit of the Spirit found in the very next two verses, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. We need to make sure that we are bearing forth the image of our Father, of our Creator, who is light. There's a representative synergy within our marriages. I'm talking about our earthly marriages between a man and, uh, or a husband and his wife. And these representative relationships, this, this synergy, synergy um, represent or depict the marriage between, anybody know? Thank you, Sister Alfie. Had to be the pastor's wife. Yeah. That's right. It's between Christ and his church. 1 Corinthians 7, 4, it says that, hey, the wife does not have authority over her own body. But you know what? The husband doesn't have authority over his own body either. And likewise, but the wife does. So there's a mutual submission to one another. It's not that I'm better than you. But your body is mine and my body is yours. He says to the married, I command, yet not I, but the Lord, that the wife is not to depart from her husband. And if she decides to leave her husband, she should remain unmarried. She should remain in a, in a state of unmarried or I'm going to be reconciled to my husband. And the husband, likewise, is not to divorce his wife either. You separate, then you stay separated, but you don't get to get married again. You need to be reconciled to God. Why? Because our marriage, if it was under the, 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 it was under the umbrella of our holy God, we as a marriage are supposed to depict the relationship between Christ and his church and Christ never, ever will leave her or forsake her. He called out the Israelites, and it does says that he divorced them. Does it not, Bishop? It does say. Who did he divorce? The backsliders. The ones that fell away. But to the remnant that stayed faithful, he never left her. He never forsake her. He never truly divorced her. But those that wanted to leave, they left. But he stayed faithful. And we are to depict that on earth. I want you to know in 1 Corinthians 11, 3, that the head of every man is Christ. The head of the woman is man, but the head of Christ is God. And I want you to think about this representation that I'm trying to, 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 to convey to you. Who was Christ? Christ. 
1 Corinthians 3.16, he was none other than God manifested in the flesh. He represented God on earth. Man, it says here, the head of every man is Christ. Why? Because man is to represent who? Christ on earth. It says that the that the head of the woman is the man. Why? Because the woman is to represent the man in this marriage and in this relationship. Remember when we, in, in, the, in the days of creation? The woman was made of the man, right? From his rib. The woman was made for the man, was she not? Yeah. But it says now, you can't get a man without a what? A woman. So there's still this, there, there's this distinction, but then there's this, this synergy amongst them. That the two, when they come together, they make them, they amplify their, their purpose in life even greater than if they just stayed separated. So it says in Ephesians, according to Paul, wives, submit to your own husbands. What? As to the Lord. We are representing the attributes and the light and the glory of God in the earth and what we say and what we do and how we have our relationships conducted amongst each other. The husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. Christ, just as the church is subject to Christ, let the wives be subject to their husbands in everything. Not in some things, not in things we disagree with, not in things we agree with, but in everything. Because we're going to show ourselves as one, united. The church and Christ, will they become one? Will they be united completely, entirely, and unequivocally? Yeah. And we need to share that message even in our earthly relationships and marriages on earth. Husbands, it's not like the women have to do all the subjection. Husbands, love your wives. We must love our wives. How? How, how, how far do I need to go, Lord? As Christ loved the church. And gave himself up for her. That's how far you need to go. He says, this is a great mystery, but I speak of this concerning Christ and the church. I'm just showing you that our earthly marriages are speaking a great heavenly spiritual mystery between Christ and the church. This is all found in Ephesians chapter 5, 22 through 23. There's also a representative synergy in the family between the parents and the children. The parents and the children, what we term family, is also a representation of God. It says here in Deuteronomy 12, 28, he's saying to the people, observe and obey all these words which I command you, that it may go well with you and your children after you forever when you do what is good and right in the sight of the Lord. 
In Deuteronomy 30, chapter or chapter 30, verse 2, it says that you return to the Lord your God and obey his voice according to all that I command you today, you and your children, with all your heart, with all your soul. You ever seen a family? Or maybe the parents are, are, are just in love with the Lord and they're serving the Lord and their child is wild and the child is out of control. Let's not give the reasons why, but doesn't it look awful? Don't, doesn't your heart break? Because you know that that mother and that father have been faithfully as best as they can, been trying to serve the Lord and they have this child that is just off the chain. You'd like to say that it never happens, but it does. But the commandments were not only for the parents. The commandments were for the parents and the children. What does it say in Ephesians 6, 1, children? Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. It says elsewhere, Colossians 3.20, children, obey your parents in all things. Not in some of the things. None of the things you agree with, but in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. These are the acts of light that are pleasing and acceptable in God's sight. Now, the church is on earth. And the church, meaning us, the body of believers that are found on earth, we are representing God's ways on earth. And it says to the church, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Whether to the king as supreme or to your governors, as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Even the church, as a body, is required on the earth to submit to the authorities that are there. As free, yet not using your liberty as a cloak for a vice, but as bondservants of God. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. How many of you the last five or six weeks have heard about our brethren going out and doing things contrary to what was being told to us in the beginning for supposedly our safety? And there are brethren. And they're going against the little city ordinances that say, hey, you got to close up shop. Hey, you got you can't be congregating here. And they wouldn't do so. And some pastors got jailed and they thought they were doing the righteous thing. They thought they were holy. They thought they, they, that they were right in the sight of God. Yet I read here clearly for the Lord's sake that I'm able to, to, to submit myself to the ordinances of man. They're not telling me to sin. 
for the safety of those around. And now that it's kind of passed away where we're opening up and we're able to gather together. And so thank God that we live in a, in, in a nation that has enough sane people to know that, okay, we did it in the beginning because there was some cause of concern. Yes. But now that, that we see that the numbers are tilted and in, in, in favor of, of us going back to what we consider normal life, yeah, we come back together. God is not here to lead a rebellion on earth. That's Star Wars. You want to talk about the rebellion and the people realizing it? That's Star Wars. God did not cause call us to lead a rebellion on earth. He's not here to create chaos. He's not here to create disorder, but to bring about amidst the chaos, amidst the disorder, order. That's what light does in the darkness. The darkness is chaos. The darkness is disorder, but when you bring the light, the darkness goes. We shine the light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, and then we are called to do what we're doing. This representation synergy is also found between servants and masters. How do we know? Uh, what is that akin to today? Your employer and employees. When you are hired by McDonald's and you get on the McDonald's uniform, or let's do Chick-fil-A because we, we, we have a sister that, that works at Chick-fil-A, and she's a great representation of what Chick-fil-A wants to represent them, isn't she? She's got a smile on her face. She's just giddy as all get up and, and she just greets people. And, 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 and it's, it's a joy to have her be a representation for Chick-fil-A. But that's what it's like for all of us, no matter what job we have. If we are hired, we come into an agreement that I am here to work to serve you to serve your purposes, to serve the things that you desire to bring about for your company. And if I don't like it, I could say I'm going to give you my resignation because I'm not going to do that. But if you agree to that transaction, that negotiation, that I'm going to pay you a certain amount of money every two weeks so that you can come and work the hours that I need you to work, you need to represent me right. Because you're not representing yourself anymore. I hired you to represent me and what are my purposes under my company, whether it be Chick-fil-A, McDonald's, whether it be the public school system, whether it be a private school that, that, that hired me, whatever. You make a negotiation. If you don't like what they stand for, then don't work for them. That's all. But you're not called to there to create chaos and disorder amongst their business. Whether they're right or wrong, that's irrelevant. God didn't call it for it. First Corinthians, Paul says, imitate me as I what? Anybody know? As I imitate Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. That's always the condition. Don't just follow me. No, follow me as I follow Christ. Do the things that I do as, as, as I do the things that Christ is leading me to do. He says to the Galatians, he says, when I came to you and I preached this gospel to you, you did not despise me. You did not reject me. Uh, you saw this infirmity in my flesh that I was struggling with, but you didn't treat me like some sick old man. 
you actually receive me as an angel of God. And then he says, even as Christ Jesus. And see, that's the calling that we have. We are representing Christ Jesus to everyone around us. No matter whether we're at work, no matter whether we're at play, no matter where we go and exercise, no matter where we go to Publix or Kroger, no matter. At all times, not just when you're walking next to your brothers and sisters in the faith, but at all times, walk in the light. You are the light of the world. It's a particular song that I'm pretty sure that most of you are not aware of, but it, I, it, it, I, it's just a song that I thought of as I, as I thought of this teaching, and it, made, it brings the point uh, to a head as we start to close. The song, the song is, is, is God speaking to either a child of God or, or, or someone in the world who's trying to make it, you know, trying, trying to do their best. He says, you got your best man on your front side. You're always showing your best side. But evil's always on the other side. You say, that's your strategy. But son, I hope you take it from me that you look just like your enemy. You're full of pride. And then the chorus says, we better trash our idols if we're going to be in this army of the Lord. The greatest idol is you and me. We better get on the threshing floor. In other words, we better better start cleaning our own house right now. When are we going to learn that God's strategy is giving glory to the Lord? We better trash our idols if we want to be in the army of the Lord. And then he says in this last verse, he says, star, how beautiful you shine. You shine more beautiful than mine. You're shining more brightly than me. You shine from sea to shining sea. The worldwide is your strategy. You're trying to get everybody in the world to look at you. But shining star, I hope you see if the world is staring straight at you. They can't see me. That right there is really what this message is all about. If we continue to go about this world and this life and all people do is see me rather than the Lord, I've missed it. I'm not called to, to spout out my opinions and my perspectives and my paradigms of what's right and what's wrong in this earth. Hopefully, I have allowed the word of God and him to renew my mind and to change my innermost heart's desires and longings so that they're actually his. We have the website, Our Father's Heart, because that's, that's right there. The principle, I want us to be in our Father's heart. I want us to minister our Father's heart. I want to speak our Father's heart. I want to show compassion and affection and love from our Father's heart, not my own. It's not eternal if if, if it's from me. It's temporary. I want to be a conduit. 
So I want to remind you of some things as, as we leave and close out today, that you, people of God, children of God, are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You weren't before. But now that you're born again, you are. You are his own special people to proclaim, to proclaim your purpose is to proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That is your purpose. That is what you should be doing. Remembering that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself and you are ambassadors of Christ to do the same thing. I'm here, you're here to not introduce people to me or to introduce people to you. You're here and I'm here to introduce people to Christ. Through what? The gospel. Through the truth, through the light that you show in your works of light. Because God is at, he's at work to, to present to himself a church a people without spot, without blemish, without wrinkle, because he is light and in him there is no darkness at all. And he's not going to allow for there to be darkness in you either if you allow him to work his way in you. When he is revealed, it says we shall be like him because we're going to see him just as he is. I told you, when we see him in the air, it's going to be like we're looking at ourselves because he's going to transform us. This earthly shell is going to be disrobed from me, not from my skeleton, because that, that's not a part of it either. No flesh and blood, nor bones will inherit the kingdom of God, but it's the spirit of God and those whom he's indwelling that he's going to rescue. So put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision to fulfill the lust of the flesh. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we have boldness in the day of judgment because what? As he is, so are we. Where? When? In this world. You don't have to wait for the rapture. God doesn't want you to wait for the rapture. He wants you to walk in holiness now. He wants you to walk in the light now. He wants you to walk in righteousness now. And love and joy and peace and meekness and temperance. He wants you to walk in the fruit of the Spirit now. Manifest me, he's saying. Manifest me now. Don't wait. There's too many that need me. Manifest me now. Give them the fruit of the Spirit. Give them my fruit that they might partake of what? The tree of life. Amen? Thus is the ministry of our Father's heart through us. Our utmost desire is to be in the Father's heart, to know the Father's heart, and express the Father's heart to you. If you appreciate listening to this podcast and were blessed, pass it along to someone else by text, email, or word of mouth in the hopes that they might be positively impacted as you were. If you are interested in supporting our efforts, we would ask you to consider the following. One, pray for us. Two, leave a positive rating or review with whomever you listen to our podcast with. And three, if you desire to contribute monetarily, you can do so at paypal.me slash jbenjesus or cash app dollar sign J Ben Jesus or Venmo J Ben Jesus. That's J B E N J E S U S. God bless.